Welcome to the BMC Run and Reinvent Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Perez, and today's guest is Ram Chakravarti, Chief Technology Officer for BMC. We're joined by Seth Paskin, Director of Technical Marketing here at BMC. Today, we're going to be talking about AI and machine intelligence. So Seth, I'll let you take it from here. Great. Thanks, Jill. And Ron, thanks for, for joining us on this podcast. We hear a lot about machine intelligence in our specific market these days. And you'll hear terms like cognitive, artificial intelligence, machine learning, RPA. Uh, and what we were hoping was that you could start us off by giving just a quick primer on what those terms are and, and what kind of applications those technologies have. Uh, yeah, said so thank you. Uh, and uh, first off, uh, Jill said thank you for uh, teeing this up. Uh, love the podcast format, and hopefully I can do justice to it with my uh, 10 cents worth. Uh, <laughs> Seth, that's a great question in this uh, era of buzzword bingo. Let's uh, try and get grounded on uh, what these actually mean. So the term cognitive gets used, uh, I mean, it gets bandied about, right? So if you look at what a cognitive system is, it's a natural or an artificial system of interconnected components that interact with the world to understand, reason, and learn, right? So you, me, Jill, uh, all of us at BMC and the broader world are examples of natural cognitive uh, systems of beings. So if we then take that to the artificial dimension, that's where AI comes into play. Artificial intelligence is a machine, so it's an artificial cognitive system and AI is defined as a machine that can perform cognitive functions that we associate with human minds, such as perceiving, reasoning, learning, and problem solving, right? So a multitude of technologies uh, that are AI-based to solve uh, business problems, robotics and autonomous vehicles, computer vision, uh, language, uh, natural language processing, virtual agents, and machine learning are examples of said technologies. So then if we flip to the next, part that you mentioned, machine learning. So what is machine learning? If we double click into a subset of AI, machine learning is a branch of AI that is characterized by training systems rather than programming them as would typically done uh, be done in a traditional programming language, right? So you get a set of input and then you basically learn from processing that set of input, apply those learnings, and then uh, you're able to provide an observable output. And that observable output, again, reinforces in some cases what you've learned, plays it back. So it's about learning and then providing better responses. So what is the use of machine learning? Uh, Practically, most recent advances in AI have been done by applying machine learning to very large data sets. And machine learning algorithms typically detect patterns and learn how to make predictions and recommendations by processing data and experiences rather than by receiving explicit programming instruction, right? And this is a huge area of focus. And uh, the the cool thing about this is these algorithms uh, also adapt in response to new data and experiences to improve our efficacy over time. Uh, I'll just, uh, what do you call, give you a spoiler alert, but not really. It's a huge area of focus for BMC. We'll talk more about that later. Um, Let's go to uh, deep learning as a subset of machine learning, which uses layers of information processing to create knowledge from a set of algorithms. And this is typically used in facial recognition, voice recognition, and image classification. And I think lastly, you mentioned the RPA or robotic process automation. That's another one that's uh, super popular in a whole bunch of companies. And think of RPA, I mean, my layperson definition of RPA is it's 
screen scrapers on steroids. But that notwithstanding, if we step back and look at what the definition is, it's a technical capability that allows one to conduct a transaction in any software application. And this could be a custom application, an ERP cards or a CRM, websites and what have you. But the fundamental point to underscore is that it transacts with a software application in a human-centric way to automate complex rule-based work. And where we are in the industry is what I call RPA 3.0. Uh, there are uh, very popular vendors out there. And RPA 3.0 is about infusing AI and ML into uh, traditional robotic process automation to get to what is now being termed either as intelligent process automation or cognitive process automation. Wow. <clears throat> well, thank you for that clarification, uh, disambiguation of those terms. Sounds like there's applications individually for each one and they interact and can also complement each other depending on the use case. Um, but, you know, I wanted to ask this, these some of these technologies, particularly machine learning, have been around for a long time. What is it about now? What's the tipping point or what's changed recently that we start to see this sort of a broader adoption of these technologies in the, the IT space? Yeah, so let's talk about the broader technology revolution and then double click on um, the uh, machine learning piece uh, by itself, right? So, I mean, I think, uh, you, you guys, I'm sure, have heard of this, but there are pundits uh, across the industry talking about us being in the midst of a fourth industrial revolution, right? So if you recall, the first industrial revolution was about uh, steam power. Second was electricity in the early 19th century, steam power being in the 18th century. And then the third one was uh, where pretty much most of us uh, had our genesis in uh, from a career standpoint, which is a computing revolution, which was the latter half of the 20th century. And now if we get to the fourth one, we are in the connectivity uh, industrial revolution, which is a fourth. And what we mean by connectivity is there are new business models based on game-changing differentiated technology, I mean, game-changing digital technology, differentiated connectivity, what I call experience innovation, real-time data and analytics, as well as pervasive automation that have really brought about a fundamental change in pretty much every uh, walk of life. And one uh, anecdotal evidence of that is the top five positions by market cap today are all tech companies, not quite so uh, a couple of decades back. So now, I mean, that is really the power of this uh, disruptive and constant uh, technology-enabled change, which is mostly good. <clears throat> My favorite about this is uh, goes back to your question, Seth, which is around AI and ML. I sincerely believe that we are uh, witnessing the renaissance of AI and ML, and I think I mentioned it during my video chat with SAR uh, a few weeks back. You could ask a question, and you did, I believe, that, I mean, what's new now? AI concepts and algorithms have been around for a few decades, but what's different now? Uh, there are really three main factors and a supporting factor with respect to the renaissance of AI and ML. One, the availability of new and previously unused sources of data like never before. Second, the massive decrease in compute storage and cost. Third, in my humble opinion, the most important reason, which is the exponential increase in computing power and storage capacity that enables the application of these decades-old algorithms on these new sets of data to give you really higher-order insights. And then there is another supporting factor, which is Google, um, <clears throat> 
Microsoft, AWS, and a whole bunch of open source uh, folks have come up with a whole bunch of methodologies, tools, and frameworks that allow the packaging, build, serialization, in a sense, the ability to use these algorithms in a not so arcane manner, but make it easier to use. All of these have converged to uh, produce the renaissance of AI and ML. Great. Well, thank you for that, uh, that clarification. And it's definitely true. You, you know, all of the public cloud providers have very easy to consume analytics and, and machine learning and even artificial intelligence frameworks. Uh, in fact, Amazon's AWS seems like it's coming out with a new one every single day. Um, yep. So, you know, BMC's business is helping customers service and operate their IT infrastructure. And I wanted to just sort of have you touch on how do you see these, these intelligent technologies impacting IT practices, the kinds of things that have been the bread and butter of, of enterprises for, for decades? Yeah, um, no, a good question, um, Seth. Uh, so uh, let's uh, first talk about a couple of these technologies, right? So we talked about RPA. We don't dabble in RPA, uh, but RPA is a really big deal. In my opinion, it's massively overhyped. There is value, but it's been massively overhyped. Every enterprise that exists today is in some stage of their RPA journey, whether it's thinking about RPA or well within their RPA journey, particularly in getting to some efficiencies across their corporate functions and shared services. There's a reason I mentioned this, even though it's not core to our business, because there's a lesson to be learned from here, right? So then if we look at our core areas, the potential of artificial intelligence and its subset machine learning is enormous. And my big bet would basically be in AI ops as a value creator in using BMC products, as well as uh, in cross product solutions, across both mainframe and distributed systems, right? So that's one huge bet. Collaborative AI is another area of focus, and this is, uh, I, call, I use the term collaborative AI to describe what we do with chatbots and others, and chat ops, to deliver a better user experience and improve collaboration and knowledge exchange. Uh, then the third piece with respect to how it applies to us is, if we look beyond uh, the traditional IT operations and service management, the natural adjacency is uh, security. So if we can go to market with, by creating boundaryless solutions that enable boundaryless operations across SecOps, IT ops, and service management using the power of artificial intelligence to do two things. One, improve existing capabilities, and two, create new capabilities coupled with the partnership with the right cybersecurity vendor, then there is a lot of potential in terms of what we can offer as differentiated capabilities. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other areas uh, in terms of uh, what we can do. We are in the super early stages, so maybe those are more conversations in terms of what's on the next horizon if uh, we get to that topic. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds oh, sorry. Like... One last point, Seth. Sorry, sure, uh, I sure. missed one point. The reason I brought up RPA, I was just remembering that I forgot to mention something. The reason I brought RPA, even though it's not core to our focus, is we really can learn from the RPA vendors. The underlying point I want to make is it's not about IT. And we can no longer continue to thrive saying IT is our customer and we want to look at that buyer their buying power has gone down dramatically, as you guys well know. So what we want to really do is translate what our products and solutions can do for the business 
And that is really what RPA has been really successful in doing. So if we put out these products and solutions and are able to kind of uh, talk about them in terms of positive business outcomes and what it does for the business, only then are we going to be able to attract new new buyers with deep pockets beyond the traditional IT whose budget is dwindling. So lesson to be learned for us on RPA. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. In answering that last question, you sort of anticipated the next one, which uh, we don't need to spend too much time on, but I was going to ask you about where you feel we are on the maturity curve, and it sounds like uh, it sounds like we're, in your opinion, somewhat early on the maturity curve for a lot of, these, a lot of this technology. Yes, we, we are. I mean, uh, if we look across the industry, right, so if you, uh, I mean, Gartner's uh, got this uh, hype cycle, which you can take with a pinch of salt, but it's got some value, right? So if you look at the traditional deep learning, machine learning, NLP, and all of those, those are already at, already at the peak of uh, expectations or the inflated expectations. Uh, surprisingly, but perhaps not so because of where the vendor landscape is, uh, AI ops platforms are uh, still at the innovation stage per Gartner's uh, point of view. And this is as of a couple of a few months back. I don't believe it's uh, kind of uh, amped up so much to get to the peak of inflated expectations. But the fact that the industry itself is in a nascent place means that we haven't missed uh, uh, a trend. So uh, it's still there for us to kind of exploit. But the overarching point is that we are in an early stage in our overall AI ops journey and things that we can do with the term, broader term intelligence. Uh, so there's a lot of runway ahead of us and uh, we just need to kind of prioritize and focus and get to doing what we need to do. Okay, great. So in that vein, as we think about where the market's moving and, and customer adoption, what, what would be your advice to customers that they need to do today or start doing today to, to lay the groundwork to get value out of this uh, type of technology and these types of solutions, either immediately or in the long term? Sure. Um, so, I mean, the first thing that I would tell customers is that uh, uh, a transformation that is predicated on AI and ML, whether it's from us or otherwise, let's take ourselves out of the equation, right? What do customers want to do to get real value? They need to look at any analytics transformation as a multi-horizon journey. So first off, they should start small with one or two truly differentiated use cases that fundamentally answer um, important business questions and get them to value. And they need to do this without uh, getting locked into specific tools or uh, vendor bandied solutions early on. Uh, that's step one. Now, beyond that, if you want to think about it systematically, I would look at it in terms of there being four building blocks for pursuing any kind of intelligence-related aspirations for customers. And these four building blocks are as follows. One, you need a clear, a clear strategy around your intelligence or analytics transformation. And this is around what is the vision, what are the compelling use cases that can be, that can result in positive business outcomes. You want to hone in on those before you do anything else. And then talk about identifying and prioritizing those. And the identification and prioritization has to be both in terms of value and feasibility. And then take all of these and put them in a sequential roadmap. So that's bucket one, which is a strategy. Second bucket is what I call architecture. 
where you really need a pragmatic up, uh, approach to avoid vendor lockdown with the appropriate technology for the use case. As an example, if statistical analysis gives you nearly as good results as a machine learning algorithm, don't muck with it. Stay with the statistical analysis. Don't feel compelled to use cool new stuff or a vendor uh, framework or a solution unless you get a significant improvement or a new capability. Third uh, building block, what are your operating model and organizational considerations uh, as relating to talent, governance, and what have you? And the reason I bring this up is there are a lot of posers uh, that masquerade as data scientists, data engineers, data <laughs> translators. The demand is far greater than the supply, right? So you really need to be careful about who you bring uh, on board as, uh, I mean, critical path talent. Uh, the fourth is about culture and execution, so which is where the amount of organizational change management uh, that this sort of transformation requires cannot be underestimated. And as equally important is what is your implementation methodology? I mean, you could use all of these, but then if you're locked down into some kind of a 12-month waterfall approach, you're not really going to get value. So if you need to fundamentally change your implementation methodology, that becomes as important as the uh, transformation from a differentiated tech-enabled capability such as AI or ML can uh, provide. So that's, that's uh, really uh, what I would tell customers. Uh, one last piece of advice to customers is, as pertains to us with BMC and AIOps as an example, let's not get bogged down by the individual puzzle pieces of an AIOps solution. These are connectors, the big data platform, machine learning algorithms, visualization. Instead, again, let's focus on the business value created by the overarching use case that is enabled in turn by the optimal application of these building blocks within one of BMC's products or a cross-product use case. Great advice. Well, I have to say, You've, uh, <laughs> you've stuffed my head full in a very short period of time, uh, and uh, I, I think I appreciate, everybody else appreciates your, your insights. I want to just uh, leave with this one last question and have you kind of put on your forecasting hat or maybe gaze into your crystal ball, and just give us where you think things are going to go in this space, maybe in the next two to three years. You know, what, how do you see it changing business practices or or um, you know, business strategies, and how do you think it's going to change uh, the technological landscape as well? Yeah. I mean, we're still uh, at a nascent stage in terms of what we can do with the machine intelligence. Um, the, I mean, the landscape is remarkably uh, huge in terms of what we can do. I mean, Google, as much as they get dinged on not being able to understand the enterprise or becoming a distant third or even a barely mentioned third in terms of when it comes to cloud, they are really ahead of their peers on all things AI. They've made huge investments in uh, this space with a relentless pursuit of intelligence even before the current wave of AI commercialization took off. Right, So I don't have to gaze into a crystal ball. There's actually a really good uh, report uh, by uh, CB Insights that talks about uh, where this is going. Um, and I actually uh, really like how they've uh, cast it. Uh, so for anybody that is uh, going to listen to this, uh, I would uh, suggest uh, uh, getting the CB uh, Insights report on AI trends. And they talk about what Google's done in terms of big bets. And the way they've characterized where we are going is across in a two by two. On one axis, it's industry adoption, and on the other axis, it's about market strength. And uh, if your industry adoption is low and your market strength is low, that is experimental. 
if interest rate option is high and your experimental uh, and your market strength is low, then it's transitory. Uh, conversely, the market strength is high, but the industry adoption is low, then it's threatened. And the zone where you uh, need to be in is what I call the necessary zone, or they call the necessary zone, which is where both are high. So if we use a two by two grid, I know it's difficult to visualize on a podcast. Uh, on a podcast. Um, the things that are being bet on as being necessary are open source frameworks, which we talked about. Edge computing is another one that uh, basically has become a big deal. Uh, you will never guess this, but predictive maintenance and predictive intelligence is something that is being uh, cast as something big. Uh, and that's a space where we can actually create some differentiation. A fourth one, I'm not going to read out the entire laundry list. Uh, uh, people can read what they want. The fourth one that piqued my interest was around cyber threat hunting, right? And that is a very good adjacency. So if, if we couple uh, cyber threat hunting and predictive maintenance, it's squarely in our sweet spot, and that is in the zone of market strength and industry adoption in the next couple of years. Uh, one last one that I'll leave you guys with is uh, edge computing. And this is where uh, bets that we might want to make with respect to IoT uh, may be opportunistic, and if we can get ahead of the curve, why not? All right, thank you for that, Ram. Uh, Really, really tremendous insights. Uh, I love listening to you talk about the market. Just you have such a tremendous depth of knowledge and clearly a passion for it. Uh, Jill, maybe what we can do is put a link in the show notes when we release this podcast to that CB Insights on AI Trends paper that Ram mentioned there at the end mm -hmm. uh, to help people get access to that. Um, Ram, thank you so much for your time. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Jill. Great. Well, Seth, thank you. So thank much. you. Always a pleasure, Jill. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you, Seth, and thank you, Ram. Um, a very special thanks to you, our, our wonderful CTO, for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on and sharing your fantastic insights with our audience. So to our listeners, uh, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. We actually have another we're doing with Ram uh, about Helix and how BMC is using intelligent technologies. So you don't want to miss that one. Um, but that is a wrap for now. Thank you for listening to the BMC Run and Reinvent podcast. Have a wonderful day.